Welcome to Damn Good Movie Memories with your host, Ryan Davis. This podcast is the cure for your long commute and super boring work day. When you first saw me, what did you think? I thought you were a klutz. What do you think of me when you first met me? I play detective. You play lady in distress. I thought you were cute. The dead body, it's gone, it vanished. Well, maybe he was embarrassed. Goldie Hawn and Chevy Chase in a new comedy thriller from the creators of Silver Street. Foul play, rated PG. Now showing at North Park for Dallas, Forum Arlington, and Seminary Fort Worth. Check your newspaper for showtime. Hey there, it's Brian Davis, and for this week's episode, we're going to cover the movie Foul Play from 1978. The studio was Paramount Pictures, the release date was July 14, 1978. The running time, 116 minutes, and it was rated PG. The budget, $5 million. The box office took in $45 million, making it the 11th ranked movie of 1978. That $45 million today is the equivalent of $209 million. Now, Foul Play was an interesting movie for me. I saw it as a kid, but it didn't immediately stick with me like other films when I was younger. Now, this isn't fair to the film because it wasn't meant to be the type of movie that I loved at the time from Chevy Chase and Goldie Hawn. What I mean by this is that I was expecting a cross between National Lampoon's Vacation and Overboard. And Foul Play is essentially a throwback to Alfred Hitchcock with some humor mixed in. It wasn't until I was a teenager that I truly appreciated this film. Okay, let's get into the making of the film. So as I mentioned, the film was definitely inspired by a number of Alfred Hitchcock films, which is what writer and director Colin Higgins wanted. Now, I covered Higgins' film prior to Foul Play, which was the mystery comedy Silver Streak with Gene Wilder, Richard Pryor, and Jill Clayburgh. He also wrote the cult classic Harold and Maude, which is definitely recommended by me. After Foul Play, he wrote and directed 9 to 5, also one of my faves, and The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. Sadly, Higgins died of AIDS in 1988 at the age of 47. Initially, the lead role of Gloria was meant for Farrah Fawcett, who was incredibly popular at the time due to the hit TV series Charlie's Angels. But Fawcett left the show after only one season, and this led to legal issues for her and the producers of the show. Because of this, Higgins decided against casting Fawcett for Foul Play to avoid any potential lawsuits from ABC. So when you watch Foul Play, you'll think nobody could have played the role of Stanley Tibbetts better than Dudley Moore. I mean, he was just perfect playing that character. However, Higgins wrote that part for Tim Conway. And Conway turned down the role, and Stanley Tibbetts ended up being Dudley Moore's American film debut. A year later, he would go on to stardom with the movie Ten, co-starring with Julie Andrews and Bo Derek, and then after that, Arthur. Prior to Chevy Chase, Harrison Ford and Steve Martin were offered the role of Tony. Okay, let's get into the movie. So the film opens at the home of a Catholic archbishop, played by Eugene Roche. He goes into his bedroom alone after greeting his housekeeper and is killed by a dart. The man who killed him looks exactly like the archbishop, as we saw his reflection in the mirror prior to the killing. We are then taken to an engagement party overlooking the San Francisco Bay Area where Gloria, that's Goldie Hawn, is attending, along with a clumsy police lieutenant, Tony Carlson, that's Chevy Chase. Gloria is a librarian and recently divorced. Tony tries to pick up Gloria, but with no luck. <clears throat> She's right, you know. What? Nice party. A lot of chances. Didn't anyone ever tell you that eavesdropping is not nice? 
My single worst problem as a child, I'll never forget my mother and parole officer getting together with the priest, discussing the difficulties I'd have. I've got to go. You're going to love this. Hey, come on. I'm sorry. I was just kidding around. I uh, think we got off on the wrong foot. Yes, and it seems to be in your mouth. Okay, I deserve that. Listen, it's glory, right? You're a really nice girl, and I'm a nice guy, and you're very pretty with or without cleavage. And what do you say? Would you like to take a shower? I don't pick up strange men. Well, that's your problem. So, why don't you try it? Bummer for Tony. Gloria goes for a car ride by herself on the coast with Barry Manilow's ready to take a chance playing in the background. Gloria sees a man stranded on the side of the road with his car broken down. She pulls over and picks him up. The man is nicknamed Scotty. This is played by Bruce Solomon. And he's nervous and constantly looking at the side mirror to see if anyone is following the car. Gloria drops off Scotty in downtown San Francisco and agrees to meet Scotty for a movie date later that night. Before being dropped off, Scotty gives Gloria an almost empty pack of cigarettes to hold for him, saying he wants to keep himself from smoking more than a pack a day. However, this was just a ruse, as he puts a tiny roll of film in the cigarette pack before giving it to Gloria. Gloria is unaware of the film roll in the cigarette pack. After being dropped off, Scotty runs away into a crowd after being followed by a car. Scotty doesn't show up to the movie theater on time, and in annoyed, Gloria goes in by herself. Scotty does eventually show up and sits next to Gloria, but he's sweating profusely and he seems unwell. We eventually see that he's bleeding badly from his stomach. Well, hello there. I didn't think you were going to make it. I know the weather's awful outside. That's why I bought my ticket and came on in. Cigarettes. Oh, I don't think they let you smoke in here, Scotty. Here, have some popcorn. Go ahead, take it. I'm finished. The film... Oh, well, you haven't missed much. You see the man in the overcoat? He's waiting for the Chinese sailor, the one Alan Ladd thinks kidnapped the old gypsy. But the secretary told the cab driver that... Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> there is going to be a murder. Police. Contact the police. Well, actually, the cab driver is with the police. Except the Chinese sailor doesn't know that. The dwarf. Beware of the dwarf. Gee, Scotty, I don't think there is a dwarf in this movie. Scotty, are you all right? Scotty? Come quickly! There's a man dead in there! Where? In there! I'm sorry, you'll have to see the manager. Where is he? In his office. But I wouldn't go in there if I were you. Where? In there! Stop the film! Call the police! Uh, Fred! 
Turn off the projector, put on the house lights. Quickly, come with me. My dear. Harry! What the hell is this? My date. He was right here. Who? My date. He was right here, I swear. Mm -hmm. Your date is the one who's supposed to be dead? Yes, he was sitting right next to me. I gave him my popcorn. Where is it? Okay, all right, ladies, just come on. All right, we'll have it on in a minute. You've got to believe me. Yeah. Did you see my date? Look, we'll talk about it in the lobby, huh? But I believe you, really. Did you really. see my date? Did you see my date? we'll talk in the lobby. Okay. Tell Fred to start that projector and bring down those house lights. You've got to believe me. Lady, you made a fool out of me in there. I saw you out front. You didn't have any date. No, he came in late. He was all wet and bleeding. Sylvia, where are you going, honey? Look, I'm sorry, Harry. Intermission's in 20 minutes. And i got to go warm up the uh, weenies. But Sylvia, S Sylvia... He said, beware of the dwarf. Dwarf? Listen, why don't you do me and you a great big favor? Why don't you just go home and sleep this whole thing off? I don't understand. He was dead. I don't know what could have happened to him. Listen, you shouldn't go to picture shows like this and smoke that stuff if it's going to affect you the way it does, huh? Ding! Now, this is definitely one of the moments where the homage to Hitchcock films is most apparent. The person who nobody believes when something outrageous happens. Gloria walks home by herself and is almost hit by a car, which seems like it was on purpose. When she arrives to her apartment, she runs into her landlord, Mr. Hennessy, played by the great Burgess Meredith. But it was so real. And that warning about the murder was so sinister. Oh, my darling Gloria, people just don't drop dead in cinemas watching horror movies and whispering, look out for the elf. It was beware of the dwarf. Well, whatever. He was playing a prank, that lad. So all you shouldn't take it so seriously. Well, he did act rather strangely. Well, you see. So you don't think I should call the police? The police? Whatever for? I don't know. I just have this strange feeling that somebody's trying to kill me. The killers? Well, you're going to call the police and, and tell them that you have a strange feeling? I mean, uh, they got killings of their own to worry about, you know? You're probably right. They have killings and executions and assassinations. I think it's time we made murder a four-letter word. Would you have a cookie? Okay. They're good. Aren't they? Well, when you've been an anthropologist as long as I have, you're working most of the time in the field, you, you acquire what my old father used to call culinary expertise. I remember in uh, African, Kenya, I was studying the Ibutu tribe. Fascinating society. And we could take a leaf from their book if they had books. But they did have this weasened old witch doctor. And his name was Kayeto. And he was a pretty good cook. Yeah, I've got a picture of him. I'll show you. Oh! That's me. Get away from those cookies. Esme, get away. Get away from that. Here. Oh, poor Esme. You frightened her. Well, she's getting too uppity. She steals me out of house and home. Don't you, you wicked girl. Don't you? 
Where was I? Ah, yes, the Ubuntu. This is a commendable society. It has severe taboos on murder and light taboos on sex. Thank you, Mr. Hennessy. You've been wonderful. Well, you're my favorite tenant. And if anything disturbs you in the middle of the night, you just scream. And I'll be upstairs in a flash-kicking ass. <laughs> Good night. I'll remember that. Ha! Huh. By the way, Mr. Hennessy's pet is a boa constrictor that roams free in his apartment. Gloria goes back to her apartment for the evening while we see that the car that attempted to run her down is outside waiting for Gloria. The next morning, we are taken to the library where Gloria works, and she goes out to lunch with her co-worker Stella and tells her about her crazy night. Now, Stella is someone that no mugger should ever mess with. Listen, I got a lot to tell you. Oh, yeah? What? I'll tell you at lunch. Really? Gloria? You know the percentage of rapes from hitchhikers? Have you any idea? No. Plenty. And look at you with no protection. Well, he didn't seem to be after sex. Rape is not an act of sex. Rape is an act of violence. Remember that. Suppose that guy attacked you instead of pulling that weird stunt in the theater, huh? What would you have done? I would have hit him with my umbrella. Talk about ancient. Really, honey, you gotta drag yourself into the 70s. You gotta get some merchandise. You see this? It's called the screamer. They make a grab for your tits. You just flick the switch. Then, you got your mace? Zap, right in the face. And finally, for infighting, the punch of power, crunch, right in the nuts. You certainly are prepared. Nobody's gonna mess with Stella unless Stella wants to be messed. I don't know all this stuff. Gloria, sweetheart, we live in a violent society. Weirdos all around, get them before they get you. While closing for the night, Gloria is attacked by a large albino man played by William Frankfather, and he tries to knock her out with chloroform. Gloria fights off the albino and escapes into the city streets. She then goes into a crowded singles bar and tries to mingle to avoid the albino. She decides to act like she wants to be picked up by a random man. Now this random man happens to be Stanley Tibbetts, that's Dudley Moore, who thinks it must be his lucky day after having a beautiful woman asking him to take her home. This eventually turns into one of the funniest scenes in the film, as Stanley's place is a hidden den of iniquity. <laughs> take me home. What? Take me home, please. Uh, sure. Um, my place or, or yours? Which is closer? Well, I, I have a, a little um, pad just around the corner. Perfect. Do you mind if I finish my drink? Oh, no, please. Do you have to? Uh, no. No, I don't have to. Miss, uh... Mundy. Gloria Mundy. Maria Glum. <clears throat> oh, can we go out the back way? Fine with me, Gloria. Anything you say. 
My name is uh, Stanley Tibbetts. Do you go to these bars often, Gloria? Huh? I mean, not that there's anything wrong with that. I mean, human design. Oh, it's a fascinating thing. I mean, take me, for instance. I, I have an interesting job. I, I work for the city. Uh, but every now and then, whoosh! Couldn't we walk just a little faster? Oh, you seem to be in a hurry. It's just not that I object. Think... I mean, God, any man would love a woman who lays it on the line. Take, for instance, the average woman. It takes two weeks of dinners before you even get to first base. I mean, I've been in America for two years, and the Mr. women... Mr. Tibbetts, please! Oh, call me Stanley. Here it is, my own little beaver trap. Oh, uh, don't turn the lights on just yet. I'll go and close the curtains. Oh, sure thing, baby. Anything you say. I don't want you to think that I'm acting too strangely, but I No, I to... no, 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 I understand. Make yourself comfortable. Oh, thank mm. you. Let me get you a drink. That would be nice, thank you. What would you like? I've got it all. I don't know. Leave it to me. I know just the thing for your mood. How about that music? Speakers! Quadraphonic! Really? Yeah, I got it all. Foxy Luxy. Gloria. Gloria. <laughs> Tastes like Tabasco. It's called Spanish Fly. Mm, I've never had it before. Well, I know a few people in Spain. <sighs> oh, 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 oh. oh. What about that, then? Look, Mr. Tibb, uh, Stanley. Stanley, I hope you don't mind that I stay here just a moment. D no, I just want to make sure. No that... need for explanations. Listen, as you say over here, you're put on this world to do your thing. I'm put on this world to do my thing. And if perchance our things do meet, that's that's groovy. I just want to look out the window. Fine, fine. Do you, do you mind if I make myself comfortable? Huh? Uh, no. No.
many binoculars? What's that? Binoculars? Are you into that too? Me as well. I, I read about it in Penthouse. Just a second. Here you are, sweet thing. Thank you. Anything you want, doll face. You've got it all. Training film is purely educational. What's over here? Oh, God. Oh, my oh, God. No. You, where did you find all this stuff? I'm sorry, I don't do this very often. I never knew there was such diversity. Please come back. It's amazing. It's just, just amazing. I got this for my nieces. Oh. Oh, I, oh, I thought here, I did Here, 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 here. Let me do that for you. Oh. Oh. Uh. Maybe I should call you a cab. Yes, please. <laughs> Dudley Moore is absolutely hilarious as he dances and brings out the craziest hide to bed possible, along with reel-to-reel porn and S&M equipment, totally misreading the situation, though you can't really blame him in all honesty. <laughs> when Gloria returns home, a man with a giant scar on his face and played by Don Kalfa, well, he grabs Gloria and questions her about what Scotty gave to her. Gloria tells him about the cigarette pack, and he grabs the film. Scarface then tries to strangle Gloria, and she stabs him with two large knitting needles. The man is badly wounded, but not killed, and he drops the cigarette pack with the film and tries to attack Gloria again while she calls the police. But suddenly he's killed by a knife thrown at him, which came from the albino. Gloria then passes out and wakes up to Tony talking to her, along with his partner Fergie, played by Brian Dennehy, and Mr. Hennessy. Hello. How you feeling? Hugh, what are you doing here? They're from the police. Are you all right? I'm Inspector Ferguson, ma'am, and this is my sometime partner, Lieutenant Carlson. They said you called about a murder. I had to break the lock. The body! Where's the body? What body? The dead body! It was right there! Didn't you see it? Who? And the phone. And the window. Oh, my God. God, it 
happened again. What's happened again? Just like last night. Just like in the movie theater. What? The dead body. It's gone. It vanished. Well, maybe he was embarrassed. Oh. Come on in here. You better sit down. But you don't understand. The body has disappeared. Uh, whose body was it? I don't know. A man with a scar. He tried to murder me, but I stabbed him with the needles. Uh, narcotics, huh? No, knitting. And... Oh, I put him back in the basket. And the poker, too. Or, or did you do that? Hey, relax. All we did was get an emergency call on a homicide. We got here, broke in the door with your landlord, and found you unconscious on the kitchen floor. I carried you to the couch. You carried me? Yes. Thank you. You're welcome. And you woke up insisting that there's a dead body around here. Look, I know it sounds strange, but somebody cleaned the place up. And took away the dead body. Right. Wait a minute. I've got it. It must have been the albino. Who's the albino? He's the one who killed the man with the scar. You said you killed the man with the scar. I did, except he killed him after I killed him. See, I didn't really kill him. I just stabbed him with the needles. Right after he heard the cuckoo. believe me, do you? But it's true. It really happened. You believe me, don't you, Mr. Hennessy? My darling, if you believe it, I believe it. There's some very mixed up people out there. They're puny spirits with small minds. Like that man told you in the movies last night, beware of the midgets. They're taking over the world. Mr. Hennessy, he didn't. He said beware of the dwarf. The dwarf? Well, whatever. Now, you're not to worry about anything. I'm here to make sure that you're safe. In fact, I'm going to put a brand new lock on this door right now. A big one. Yeah. Oh, he doesn't believe me. He thinks I've been dreaming or something. Don't be silly. Gloria. Did you, uh, drop acid a little earlier tonight? No, no, you don't understand. A man tried to kill me here tonight. The albino. No, no. The man with a scar? Yes. See, the albino tried to kill me earlier, but I smashed him with my umbrella. Your umbrella? I'd never met the man with the scar before. Unless he's the one that was driving that black limousine. W why did he want to kill you? Who? man with the scar. I'm not sure, but I think it was because of the cigarettes. He wanted a, a cigarette or... No, he wanted the whole pack. Kind of greedy. The albino must have wanted the cigarettes, too. So he killed a man with the scar to get him. Right. And I'll bet he's the one who killed Scotty. Scotty? Who's Scotty? Look, Gloria. I know you've been through something here tonight, real or imagined. But I just want to bring you down to earth a bit. You've got to see how absurd this whole thing is. We have no dead body. There's been no sign of violence. Our suspects are albinos and chain smokers. Wait a minute. I've got it. The albino is working for the dwarf. Oh, 
haven't had some dumb calls in my time, but this one tops them. Where did you leave this thing, dog? Anyway, hey, what's all that stuff about having it for lunch down at the station house? You're not even supposed to be riding around with me. It's fate, Fergie. Kismet. Kismet, my ass. Listen, this girl is weird, yeah, dog. Yeah, 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 but she's got the prettiest green eyes I've ever seen. Yeah, they're blue. <laughs> and behind those blue eyes is a fruitcake with a homicidal umbrella. Wait a minute. What? You're the one with the prettiest green eyes I've ever seen. You cut that out. I hate it when you do that. Don't do that anymore, all right? Let's go, beautiful. Gloria, I don't believe you. How can you be so gullible? You have got albinos chasing you down the street. Prowlers breaking into your apartment, don't you see? They're only after one thing. They want to get into your pants. I don't think so. And now you have this cop inviting you down to the station house on your lunch hour. You think he's not going to try for a little nookie? He's really nice. Gloria, I'm your friend, right? Right. And I wouldn't steer you wrong, would I? No. Take these. Without them, you are a walking light bulb waiting to be screwed. <laughs> yes, of course, it does sound crazy, but of course, we know it's absolutely true. But good old Stella has all the weapons a woman could ever need. But when Gloria leaves for work that day, she's kidnapped by the albino, who sneaks up on her and finally does chloroform her. She wakes up that night in a dingy room all alone. Gloria ends up putting those weapons from Stella to good use as she uses the noise machine to distract the henchman guarding a room, and the Gloria maces him and knocks him out with the brass knuckles, and then escapes the place going out the back window onto the fire escape. Of course, to make the tension even worse, it's also a stormy night. While on the fire escape, Gloria sees the albino return to his car. Gloria tries to get the attention of two older women in their apartment playing Scrabble. This ends up being a really funny scene as the seemingly harmless old women are using curse words to rack up the points. Gloria eventually jumps into the back of an open garbage truck to get away. She then goes straight to the police station. Tony then takes her home. Gloria, just sit back and enjoy the fire, pouring a nice warm albino martini. Drink this, and it's off to bed. You should have been a doctor. Okay, we'll play whatever you like. Mind if I smoke? No, go right ahead. You know, it's funny, my father was a doctor. He wanted me to be one, too. What happened? Well, I went to medical school. It was tough, all those books. And I joined the paramedics. That was tougher. Sarge, I always had a yearning for the criminal life. But you're a cop. Same difference. How's the milk? It's great. Lieutenant? Tony. I don't understand. Last night, you didn't believe the story I told you, did you? I believe that you believed it. What about tonight? Did you believe I was kidnapped? I, I, I know the address of the building they held me in. It seems that... Look, I promise I'll check that out first thing in the morning. And the license plate of the black limousine. 121TCE. Got it. Tony, I'm not lying. No one thinks you are. Why would anybody want to kill me? Hey, come on. You're safe here. I checked all the windows and the doors, everything. You trust me, don't you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Here, finish your milk. 
Good girl. Full? Feel better, don't you? Yes. I'll call you tomorrow. I'm uh, not working tomorrow. I'm home. Fine. Would you like me to uh, carry you to your bedroom? No, thanks. I can walk. Okay, then I'm going to take off. Don't worry, Gloria. There really is somebody out there trying to kill you. I promise you. We'll find out who and why. Now, the ominous music at the end of the last scene was that we saw the cigarette pack from Scotty still hidden behind the, some of the house plants. Tony and Fergie investigate the place where Glory was kidnapped, but it's supposedly been vacated for months. Tony decides to talk to one of his colleagues about the case, and we find out who Scotty really was. Oh, no. I thought when you were suspended, I'd have a three-week vacation. I was framed. Hey, you're lucky you still got your badge. Arresting the mayor for speeding and then cuffing him. Are you out of your mind? I'm telling you, he was wearing eye makeup. Get out of here! Hey, listen, this is serious. What was that story, uh, wasn't too long ago, about a guy named Stiltskin? You been talking to Donahue? No, why? You know this guy? Yeah, I've seen him around. Works undercover, right? He did. His name's Bob Scott. We just fished his body out of the bay. Scotty. Yeah, he was working on a tip that a major assassination is going to take place here in the city. Thursday night. Tomorrow night. Biggest hit man west of Chicago has been hired for the job. His name is Stiltskin. Rupert Stiltskin. Stiltskin? Yeah. Alias the Dwarf. Holy shit. <laughs> Tony knows now that Gloria is in danger. Gloria, on the other hand, has no idea what's going on. And then she gets a visit from a dwarf, played by Billy Barty. But Gloria doesn't realize it's not the dwarf. Who is it? Special delivery. Just a second, Stella. Somebody's at the door. Miss Mundy? Yes. Just a moment. I've been looking forward to this meeting for some time. You, you're a dwarf? True, true. J.J. McEwen's my name, and life's my game. Not life insurance, but life everlasting. Interested? Oh, my God. Sure you are. Please, if I'm going to do this right, I've got to have your undivided attention. She'll call you right back. You, you're the dwarf. Well, actually, we prefer to be called little people. It was you who was asking for me at the library. True, true. But unfortunately, our paths didn't cross. No matter. Today, I have brought with me a little present that my employer wants you to have. And all that is required of you is to consider the possibility of coming closer to God. Miss Mundy, why take this attitude? I'm merely a salesman of the divine word. Uh, look upon me as an instrument who will release you from the worries of the world and bring you the promise of eternal rest. Keep away from me. Miss Mundy, do you believe in life 
after death. you can believe in, J.J. McEwen. Oh, he was a Bible salesman? You mean I... That's right, honey. You have attacked an innocent dwarf. <laughs> the, the poor Bible salesman ends up rolling down the hills of San Francisco in a metal trash can. Gloria ends up visiting J.J. McEwen in the hospital, who's now in a full body cast. Mr. McEwen... Gloria Mundy. Who? Remember me? You came to see me this morning? Oh. How are you feeling? So-so. Oh, thanks for the flowers. Oh, that's all right. My pleasure. Here, I, I bought you some more. I felt it was the least I could do. Awfully sorry. Well, I, I was thinking of leaving the job anyway. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I never should have taken it. I, I'm too pushy. I annoy people. That's my personality. And you can't move merchandise like that anymore. They, they looked like lovely Bibles to me. Oh, they're top quality. It's me that's no good. I, I come off too strong. Well, you did give me quite a shock. You don't have to apologize. I'm a putz. Oh, no, Mr. McEwen. I, I think you're being a little hard on yourself. Well, maybe everything will turn out for the best. Really? I always feel that you can see a positive side to everything. Yeah. I was thinking of opening up a gas station in the desert. And I think you helped me make up my mind. Oh, I'm so glad I could help. Oh, no. Oh, I'm sorry. I I was just going to kill a fly. I'm sorry. Well, I guess I better be going. Okay. I'll come back tomorrow after work. Oh, no, no. I, I'm sure I'm going to be out of here by tomorrow. Oh. All right. 
was nice meeting you again. Bye. Oh, that poor little man. To think that I was responsible, that I was capable, that all that violence is within me. Yeah, I know. Lucky for him, you didn't have your umbrella. Come on, let's go. Tony's waiting for you at the station. Gloria, I need your help. Somebody's going to be murdered tomorrow night, and we got to prevent it. Why don't you take a look at something? You recognize these people? Uh, that's the man with the scar. Right. Uh, that's the albino. Right, his name is Whitey Jackson. I don't know. That's Rupert Stiltskin, alias the dwarf. He's the head of the assassination team. Scarface wanted to double-cross his buddies and gave Scotty some evidence about tomorrow's job. They found out about it, killed Scotty. Scarface wanted to protect himself, try to get the evidence back, but they were on to him. They killed him. So the evidence was in the cigarette package that Scotty gave me. Right. Well, but they took the cigarette pack when they took Scarface's body. Right. Then what do they still want me for? I don't know, but uh, they do. And that's why I've been assigned to protect you. You have? Mm-hmm. Well, what does that entail? The usual. We move into your house, set up a uh, round-the-clock surveillance, and uh, send out for pizza. You know, I traced the number on that black limousine. Great! What is it? You're not going to like it. It's registered to the Archbishop of San Francisco. Okay, and this is where the beginning of the film comes back into play with the murder of the real Archbishop. But how does this all tie into Scotty's undercover work in the film? Well, you're just going to have to watch the final 50 minutes to find out. And there's plenty of hilarious scenes and great tension that you'll definitely enjoy. And don't worry, there's more Deadly Moore that rivals the scene that you heard earlier. Plus, Burgess Meredith really shines towards the end as well. If you enjoy mystery thrillers with some great comedy, this is the film for you. And you can't beat that cast in foul play. Alright, some fun facts. So the film was nominated for one Oscar. Best original song for Barry Manilow's Ready to Take a Chance Again. However, lost to the song Last Dance from the movie Thank God It's Friday. Farrah Fawcett can be seen in the background at the party scene where Goldie Hawn's character is introduced. All right, we have a really special guest and longtime supporter of the podcast, and that is Ralph Vieira of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast and also his very popular Almost Human YouTube channel. So he joins me to talk about this great movie and his love of it, and then I'll be back next week to talk about yet another random movie from my DVD collection. Okay, we are back, and we are with longtime guest and definite supporter of Damn Good Movie Memories and also one of my mom's favorite guests, and that's Ralph Vieira, Dr. Fuck from the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast and also his very popular Almost Human YouTube channel. Welcome back, Ralph. Hey, hey, Brian. What's up, dude? I'm always happy to be here with you. Well, thank you, Ralph. And uh, so, uh, you know, often I you post uh, various things, often music, but you also sometimes show some of your favorite movies on your uh, Facebook posts. And uh, one that you've always uh, been a champion for is Foul Play. So that this seemed like a no brainer for you. And do you, do you actually remember if you saw Foul Play in the theater when it first came out? And if so, did you just love it immediately or was it kind of a, a slow burn for you? Oh, this is a movie I went to the theater multiple times to see. Mm. Uh, yeah, I saw it once, loved it. Me and my friend Eladio Fernandez, who's on my Facebook page, and, uh, you know, we're still buddies. We've been buddies since, like, the third grade, and me and him would go see a lot of movies together, 
And there were certain movies we had to go see multiple times. Mm-hmm. Uh, Foul Play, uh, Slap Shot was one we <laughs> him went uh, multiple times. Of course, the first Star Wars and Jaws mm-hmm. and uh, oh, Breaking the the second Bad News Bears, Breaking Training was it called? Yes. Yep. Yeah, we saw that multiple times. Yeah, man, we and him were little movie geeks, and Foul Play was definitely one we saw several times. We would pay to see Foul Play, and as I recall back then, it was a pretty popular movie, man. And you know, it's not really well talked about. You know, people talk about Vacation or Caddyshack before Foul Play, and I think that movie just as good. So I know you were a fan of the original Saturday Night Live uh, from the mid-70s. So were you bummed out when Chevy Chase left after only one season? No, because I don't think I was aware of that back then, or my young brain couldn't, you know, wrestle with the concept. Because I do remember staying up late, because in the 70s, Saturday Night Live was like porno to us little <laughs> kids. You yeah. Know, watching that, we would stay up and watch it, and... I remember Bill Murray was there all of a sudden and Chevy Chase is not there and it didn't really affect me mm-hmm. one way or another. You know, I love Chevy Chase on Saturday Night Live. It wasn't like one of those things where it's like, fuck, I love Chevy Chase. I miss him. Didn't really register with me that he was gone. Mm-hmm. And I love, uh, you know, Bill Murray. He was awesome, you know, taking over his spot. Probably the best ever, you know, to take over for Chevy Chase would be Bill Murray, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, instead of going into films immediately after, do you do you wish maybe Chevy Chase had stayed a few more seasons, or were you ultimately just like, okay, it was one, it was one season, it was a great season, and he was just meant for movies? Yeah, Brian, to tell you the truth, man, I don't think I realized that Chevy Chase only did one season until decades later. Wow, when when I became, you know, oh, when I bought all the DVD because I bought all those early. You know, Saturday Night Live season one, season two. I bought them all. Right. And I think that's when I noticed, oh, Chevy Chase only did season one. You know, it never never really registered with me because, I don't know. You know, I just, you know, I mu- it must have been big news back then. To me, it didn't really, I didn't care, you know. John well, Belushi I- was always my favorite. Yeah. Exactly. And I think that's what it was. A It was a more interesting time without social media that stuff like that would be all over Twitter or whatever, or Facebook now. Oh, yeah. But back then, unless it was in the paper, you weren't going to find out about it. Yeah, I'm sure it was, you know, probably the, the older people, you know, the teenagers and uh, in their early 20s, they probably gave a fuck more than I did. I was, you know, I wasn't even 13 yet. I was a little, little kid, you know. Mm hmm. So Foul Play, it's kind of an interesting movie in the sense that it's not like a straight up comedy and it's it's almost very much like a Hitchcock film. Uh, you know, there's mystery with like kind of humor thrown in. Do you think if this was made in the 80s or even the 90s, this film would have been reversed in tone, meaning it, it could have been an outrageous comedy and less mystery? I don't know. I, I think the, the, the mystery of this movie is what pretty much made it. You know, I mean, yes, it's a funny movie. But with all the little mystery shit going on in between with the dwarf and the albino and you mm-hmm. know, all these people it made it to me like a more, you know, it, it was a murder mystery slash comedy. Right. You know? And I thought I think the pace was really good in it. And uh, I really liked the villains. They were fucking awesome. 
Well, actually, and it reminds me, and I'm sure you too, of Silver Streak. It's very much like Silver Streak because the director right. and the writer is Colin Higgins. And so uh, as much as you love foul play, would you have rather had maybe, let's say, Gene Wilder, Richard Pryor, and Joe Clayberg instead of Chevy Chase and, and Goldie Hawn? No. Uh, okay. I think I, I think both their performances in this movie is extremely uh, underrated now looking back on it. I mean, this is Chevy Chase's first real movie. I mean, right? Can't add what was a Kentucky Fried movie and all those type of movies. It wasn't really. It's his first vehicle, and I thought he 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 played great. He he was a little buffoonish, a little stupid, but also smart at the same time in his detective work. Mm-hmm. And I thought he acted very well. You know, I thought he did a very good acting in it, and. uh and how he was trying to score with Goldie Hawn was pretty funny. And <laughs> I just thought, I thought he was awesome in the movie. I really did like him. To me, the, the, yeah. the, the, the who stole the movie for me, though, Burgess Meredith. Oh, no doubt. No the doubt. The fight I mean, scene. The fight <laughs> scene. <laughs> so that good. was one tough mama. That was the best scene in the movie. Yep, yep, exactly. Now, we'll, we'll get into the supporting cast eventually, but, I mean, we, we got to talk about Goldie Hawn. So were, were you a fan of her prior to this movie? Because she was on Laugh-In. She was in a few other films. Yeah, I, to be honest with you, I don't recall. I, I'm almost positive when I saw the movie I was aware mm-hmm. of Goldie Hawn, but, you know, I was never really a Laugh-In guy, so maybe I discovered her in some other movie. Okay. What was that movie that Steven Spielberg did? Um, with Goldie Hawn before Jaws, uh, Sugarland Express. Yes, yep. I might have seen that before Foul Play. Maybe that's how I knew her. Okay. Now, did you were you a fan of her after that? So, like, did you would you, would you watch her eighties movies and and things like that? Yeah, yeah. She even did another movie with Chevy Chase. Things are funny all over, or something like that. Oh, oh. Uh, seem, it seems like old times. Oh, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. And I like the one with, uh, was it Overboard? Was he, she in that movie? Yeah, with Kurt Russell. Cause they, yeah, I, think, I thought that was really good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think Goldie Hawn, man. Cool. So, you, again, you mentioned Burgess Meredith. He definitely steals the show in, in this film. But you also have Dudley Moore, who has some oh, really funny scenes. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he's probably like second, like right behind Burgess Meredith. He was so good. No doubt. And no doubt. I mean, that it's almost tough to decide who who's better. Yeah. It yeah. is, actually. You're right. And then you have Brian Dennehy, who plays Chevy Chase's partner. Yeah. Um, of course, he would go on to, to uh, many different roles, including in uh, First Blood. Yeah. Uh, and then Billy Barty is the dwarf. It's hilarious. So, I mean, uh, personally, I, I, again, I think the, the scenes with Burgess Meredith and Moore kind of make this film kind of more than Chevy Chase and Goldie Hawn. What do you think? Oh, I, I would have to agree. I think the fight scene mm-hmm. is my favorite scene of the movie, but Man, looking back, uh, the first time that Dudley Moore took her to the to his room, <laughs> yeah, with the bed coming down and you know little blow up dolls everywhere, that was hysterical. Yeah, yeah, uh, you know, I feel the earth ooh, move ooh, <laughs> under my feet. That was hilarious, man. So yeah, Dudley Moore, goddamn, I forgot he was he was so good in this movie. Well, yeah, and he'd been around. He'd been pretty much known in, in England uh, for his his work with Peter Cook. But really, this is kind of his first breakout role in the U.S. And then after this, he would do Arthur a few years later. So, 
definitely this was an important film. So you mentioned a couple of your favorite scenes. What are some of the other standout scenes for you? Of course, the dwarf when he falls off, uh, <laughs> when he the falls roof. in the trash can. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was a, a hilarious scene. Um, uh, there's so many. Um, the oh, oh, this is also a highlight of the movie. The two Japanese tourists. Yes. With uh, Kojak, bang bang. Yes. <laughs> oh my God, that was hysterical. Uh, that was definitely a standout uh, of the movie. And God, there's so many, you know. Uh, Burgess with his with his uh, snake. Yep. And. Uh, yeah, pretty much that's uh, – those are my highlights. Okay. Love it. Now, interestingly enough, the opening credits, uh, which is uh, – there's a song that plays there, and it's Barry Manilow's Ready to Take a Chance Again. That was actually nominated for an Oscar. It didn't win, but it was nominated. Now, I know you've mentioned uh, on either the podcast or, or Facebook that you're actually a fan of Yacht Rock, but are you a fan of Barry Manilow? I am a huge fan of that song. Okay. Ready to ca- I, I have it. I have the soundtrack to this movie. Mm. Um, I love, you know, I, you know, nostalgic wise, I like listening to Barry Manilow. The other day I heard Copacabana and that was very cringy. That one, <laughs> I don't think it's aged well, but, you know, sure. I write the songs. I mean, it's all little nice nostalgic things, you know, but ready to take good chance again. That song, man. I remember loving it so much, you know, when when I saw the movie. It's what got me into the song. And, you know, I never went out and bought a Barry Manilow album, even though I own not only Foul Play, but I own his album called Even Now, mm. which I I love that song, too, Even Now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, this, this uh, movie is what got me into, you know, Barry Manilow and that song, so. I love this song. It was nominated for an Oscar, you said? Yeah, yeah. It didn't win, but it, it, it was nominated, yeah. Oh, wow. I yeah. did not know that. I can, was that the it. only thing nominated for Foul Play? Do you know? I, for an Oscar, yes. Now, for um, Golden Globes, they were no, nominated for a bunch. So the, the, for the Golden Globes, uh, it was the actual movie was nominated. Chevy Chase was nominated. Goldie Hawn and Dudley Moore were all nominated. And actually, the oh. screenplay. So... I, Oscars have always been kind of stuffy, so it's yeah. very rare uh, a comedy would get uh, nominated. But Golden Globes, it was nominated for a bunch. Didn't win any, but was definitely nominated. Wow, I did not know that. Yeah, let me quickly see what won for best song because I'm kind of curious. Yeah, uh, you know, man, man, through the years, this uh, this movie's kind of like not a lot of people talk about this movie. No, and it's like you said when you think of Chevy Chase, you think of. Uh, vacation, you think of Fletch, you think of movies like this, but this really kicked off his career. Now, so do you remember uh, the movie Thank God It's Friday? Yes. Okay, the the song Last Dance was, uh, that's what won. Yeah, Donna Summer. Donna Summer, that's right. Um, other things that were nominated, uh, Hopelessly Devoted from Greece, uh, Same Time Next Time, um, that was by, let's see, that was with uh, Ellen, uh, Ellen Burstyn's in that movie. Uh, ready to take a chance again, and then when you're loved, which is in the Magic of Lassie movie. So I don't oh, remember God. that one. Yeah, I didn't so, even know. I thought, thank God, this Friday came out a couple years after that. My timeline's messed up. Well, no, I know it's well. That was the height of the disco craze too. What so. what year was this? This is '78, so it would have been okay. Uh, okay, yeah, because yeah. I was thinking, thank God, Friday's probably '79. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that would make sense. 78. Now, what is your favorite Yacht Rock songs or, or song? Man, I got to tell you, and a lot of people will get angry by me saying this band is Yacht Rock. <laughs> okay. But fuck you. Fuck you all. This is a Yacht Rock band, and I think they are the greatest Yacht Rock band ever. And mm-hmm. I've never been into this band. Never hated them. But on my channel, people donate for me to do track by tracks. Right. And this really cool dude called Jacob Smith is making me do Steely Dan albums now. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is total Yacht Rock. <laughs> but I love Yacht Rock. You know, I listen to Yacht Rock all the fucking time, man. But I think Steely Dan is the greatest Yacht Rock band ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they definitely evolved more into Yacht Rock. Their, their early albums are, are definitely, I think, jazz fusion almost um but yeah that's steve dan's great especially the 70s stuff now okay so of the main saturday night live cast we'll wrap up on this so you have chevy chase john belushi dan Aykroyd, and, and we'll throw in bill murray which actor is your favorite based on the films they made i'd have to go with belushi and and really just because of two movies animal house and blues brothers sure i just think both those roles uh, were better than any role anybody else in Saturday Night Live has ever done, in my opinion. Yeah. Especially the Blues Brothers. He was just such a badass. It would have been really interesting because, as you know, Dan Aykroyd was constantly writing scripts for both him and John. And so, I mean, Ghostbusters could have had uh, Belushi in it. Trading Places could have had Belushi in it. So it would have been really interesting if Belushi had lived. Yeah. Um, Dan Aykroyd said he was writing Ghostbusters with. Belushi and mine, uh, the night he died. Right. He was already writing the script with Belushi, you know, I don't remember, uh, maybe it was Bill Murray's role, and uh, and he died that night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I, I've never asked you, I've asked other people this, but why do you think that Dan Aykroyd was never like a leading man? Really, he's only been in one starring film, and that's Dr. Detroit. That's a difficult question, because I think he's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, another movie that uh, he shined in that nobody talks about because it was pretty much a flop was Neighbors. Yeah. But I love that movie. I loved him in it. I loved John Belushi playing the straight guy. Yeah. You know, it's it was a total. But Dan Aykroyd was so awesome in that movie. And Dan Aykroyd's a very smart guy, too. Have you ever heard of his interviews? Oh, they're great. Like, yeah, the guy's a genius, but. Yeah, man, I liked him in a lot of movies I've seen him in. He should have been bigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's a shame he wasn't because, uh, you know, I mean, as much as I praise John Belushi, I think Dan Aykroyd was right next to him on the Blues Brothers. He was just as good as Jake, you know? Mm-hmm. So, well, and, and you need the the person, the, the writer. And he, he was an amazing writer, just like Harold Ramis. Yeah, yeah. And... Uh, yeah, you know, it's it's kind of like, God, he should have been the guy that got all those Bill Murray parts. Because out of everybody, Bill Murray wins for, you know, uh, box office star. I think sure. yeah, he's done a lot more movies that grossed a lot more money, you know, with your Scrooge Groundhog Day and all that stuff, mm-hmm. that he's the most successful out of all of them. Yeah, and he's continued to work, whereas Chevy Chase, pretty much after the 80s, kind of just fell off the map. Yeah, because he was really releasing a bunch of turkeys. Oh, yeah. And then he got a bad reputation of being a dick to people. Yeah. And, you know, 
he became like a bitter old man. Supposedly, Bill Murray's the same. Like, not not really. He's very eccentric. Not necessarily easy to work with. Where you never heard anything bad about Aykroyd. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, or Belushi, really. You know? Or Belushi. Yeah, and people love Belushi. Just love to yeah. party. But uh, well, look, you, you got to love Aykroyd because he scored Donna Dixon for Paul Stanley. So there you oh, go. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and Paul wrote songs about how much she fucked him. That's right. <laughs> Funny stuff. Oh, oh, Paul. Well, as always, Ralph, thank you so much for doing this. And again, if, if you don't know Ralph Air, where have you been? But he's the hardest working man in show business. And, and you, you know, go check out the Almost Human YouTube page. He's always uh, doing these track by track, uh, you know, a lot of fan paid uh, episodes, which are a lot of fun because they come up with some random stuff. I don't know how you do it because some of them, you're, I'm sure you're rolling your eyes. But, you know, you, you power through it. So I commend you. Yeah, sometimes it's it's difficult. I ain't gonna <laughs> lie. Sometimes I'm like, ugh. But luckily, lately, I haven't had a bad album in mm-hmm. a while. So, you know, it's coming. Another Suck by Suck will be coming soon. Awesome. And I know you're evolving the Rock and Metal Combat podcast. It's it's always going to continue to be on uh, the traditional podcast forms. But you've you started to do more uh, YouTube live streams. So how's that been going for you? Yeah, um, we'll be, hopefully we'll be doing one this Sunday. Okay. Um, you know, I'm telling Ian, you know, it's not Ian's fault, but, you know, life gets in the way too much for him. Sure. And I said, dude, in order to be successful, and I'm not telling you, you know, fuck your life, you need to dedicate to the podcast. <laughs> not saying that in any way, but the more breaks we take, it, 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 we lose people. You mm. got to be consistent in this fucking internet world you know we got a following but if we continue with the live things and do it every fucking week then um you know uh it'd be way more successful but i'm not complaining it is successful but you know ian wants to do a patreon Mm. and wants to do all shit i'm like well doing that man we got to start busting our ass a little right Mm -hmm. you know be be at least once a week at least you know, but we've been taking weeks off here and there, and that doesn't help our, our, our channel. Our channel seems to be going lower and lower, you know, mm-hmm. and it, when we put up a new video, it doesn't good, do as well as the video before because people are fickle. People forget. People <laughs> forgot us, you know. So hopefully uh, after this week, Ian will be by every week so we can get this shit growing because we are the greatest podcast ever, man, and people need us. <laughs> absolutely and i've never forgotten you guys i've never forgotten how amazing you've been to my podcast and, and yeah. i've always been a big supporter uh, of everything you guys have done so thank you as always and uh you're gonna be back on real soon so thank you again ralph hey you got it bro and ian and ian goes on nobody's show and he comes on your show that's true and you, you know like i made sure when i get them i have we have to do like 10 because i may not get them for another five years yeah exactly but at least he does it <laughs> Which yeah, is something I can't say for many podcasts. That's true. So I have that. So thank you again, Ralph. <laughs> All right, Brian. Thanks, buddy. If you are ever in the San Francisco Bay Area and still love collecting or renting DVDs or VHS tapes, come check out Captain Video and San Mateo at 2837 South El Camino Real. Captain Video is open six days a week and closed on Wednesday and one of the last traditional video stores still running in the United States. New movies you can rent for $2.99 a day. 
old movies you can rent for $2.99 for five days. And if renting isn't your thing, you can also purchase anything you find in the store. Be sure to tell Ira that you heard about Captain Video from the Damn Good Movie Memories podcast. Happy renting and happy collecting at Captain Captain Video. Video. Come hang out and chill with Brian A. Davis and the Bad Beat. Wednesdays, 11 p.m. Eastern, right here on ThatMetalStation.com.